So who says the first line? You. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. You want me to say it? No. I got this. Yes, you say it. <laughs> Welcome to the Cherry Chat. I'm Logan. And I'm Lily. And we're the founders and CEOs of Please Me. The ultimate destination for information on sex, sexual dysfunctions, and pleasure. We believe the way to break taboos and end harmful stigmas is through sharing personal stories and experiences. Learn along with us as we interview guests from sex workers to sexologists. Let's talk about all things sex. Okay, perfect. I will start. Well, thank you both for joining us today. I'm so excited to begin this conversation. Thank you for having us. Yeah, we are so excited to be here. Thank you for having us. And also, this space is, this recording space is gorgeous. I know it's amazing. It's really amazing. Although every so often, because we have these glass doors, people will kind of look in and be like, what the fuck is going on in here? (laughs) (laughs) That happened to us actually recording. Do you remember when we were recording like in a co-working space and we were having a wildly inappropriate conversation about sex (laughs) and like people were trying to have serious business meetings and we're like, oops, sorry. And we're like, come. Isn't that the best? I'm like, do you have a hard time coming in your new meds? And like this one's like, shh. (laughs) That is the best. I love making people uncomfortable when talking about sex. So do I. Or just seeing someone like clench and be so anxious and nervous and you're like, what, what's wrong with you? Like, right. Let's just have a conversation. Let's just have a conversation. <laughs> Agreed. So I would love to begin um, just learning more about both of you and your background and how you got into this space. Yeah. Danny, you want to start? No. You want me to start? <laughs> I just saw you like, just like look at me like you bitch. Um, okay, I will start. Well, my name is Zara Berry and I am the author of the book, Girl Stop Passing Out in Your Makeup, The Bad Girl's Guide to Getting Your Shit Together. I have a podcast with my friend Dana, who didn't want to go first, called (laughs) Girls Interrupted. And it is, we've been compared to, and I think it's it's actually quite accurate. I mean, we're fully different, but it's like an unabashed podcast about mental health, but there's no like wellness tips for the most part. It's more of just us talking about side effects of medication you know, like the weird parts of depression and OCD. It's us laughing about our traumas and just kind of like unabashed, like how call her daddy, those kind of podcasts Mm -hmm. are about sex, but they're not necessarily sex ed. They're more personal stories. Totally. So it's kind of that, well, we say it's not a mental health podcast. It's a mental illness. It's a mental illness podcast. (laughs) I love that. So, I mean, I also write for the internet and, um, have a serialized audio drama called girls on Jane, which is, um, Kind of sex in the city meets euphoria, but about lesbians <laughs> in a nutshell. <laughs> and I am Dana Terwisi. I am the co-host of Girls Interrupted with Zara, and I am the managing editor of Go Magazine, which is the nation's preeminent and most widely read lesbian magazine. I'm a professor of creative writing at Hofstra University, and um, I actually started working for Zara. She hired me. And we were That's doing we sex friends. and dating writing together. And now um, we just collaborate on a multitude of things, but mostly Girls Interrupted, where we talk about sex, mental illness, lots of things. Lots of sex. Yeah, OCD, lots of sex. anxiety, <laughs> depression, yeah. trauma. All but those glamorous All those gla- eating disorders, <laughs> all the glamorous fun things. But like all the things that are so important and also there's just like such a correlation in terms of them being so heavily stigmatized. Right. Whether it's mental illness, whether it's sex, whether it's eating disorders, like, 
you know, we need to talk about it. And so if you can create a safe space and like share personal testimonies and stories, like that's everything. Right. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, that's really what we wanted to do because I feel like a lot of these spaces that say they're safe are actually not safe Yeah, because they're very judgmental. And if you don't fit their narrative of like what a depressed person should be or what a traumatized person should be, then you're kind of like, um, ostracized. And I think like, how can you say you're a safe space when you try and control like someone's narrative? Does that make sense? Yeah. I think it was just really important for us to like make space for things to be funny. Yeah. Um, cause like, I, I don't know. I think personally we felt like maybe we couldn't like laugh at trauma or even like sexual trauma or not being able to come on meds or like things, yeah. things like that that are stigmatized where if you're not talking about them in a serious way, then maybe they're not as well received, but we're like, you know, really fucked up New Yorkers that like to laugh about things. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of like our goal right. with it. Yeah. And it's like taking the power back, I think a little bit when you can take your trauma or your experience or the things that you've been made to feel ashamed about and laugh at them because I think everything in life is like tragic and hysterically funny at the same time. Mm-hmm. And like, if you can't explore one of them, it just makes me feel very like weak. And I feel like it's very empowering to laugh through something dark. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. And I think it also just contributes to like building character and better understanding yourself. You know, like I, I remember someone told me that you can't really quantify or qualify loss or trauma. Like, you know, whether you've lost your best friend or you've lost your goldfish, both could be equally traumatizing too a person Mm -hmm, right right. and so obviously they're like not comparable but trauma is trauma at the end of the day and so it's just like how you understand it and how you deal with it and just almost like changing the lens right like I think we've for so long have been so we've been like taught to talk about trauma and understand trauma with like a very negative and somber idea or like lens but it doesn't always need to be like that right right I mean, I feel like my greatest pain has kind of also, and I hate to be the person that's like, it was all worth it. Like maybe I would actually be better off. Maybe I would be like further along in my career if I didn't have these things that have held me back. But at the same time, my greatest pain has been my greatest success. Like I would have never been able to write my book. We mm-hmm. wouldn't have Girls Interrupted Yeah, if we hadn't gone through the things we've we gone through. We wouldn't be sitting here right now with you. We like, wouldn't yeah. be sitting yeah. here right now with For you. Sure. And I, I know that's a Pollyanna way of looking at it, but it also feels good because it feels like it wasn't all for just the like destroying yeah. of your soul. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So I initially connected with Zara because Lily and I were interested in finding someone to write for Please Me. Um, and so through that, Zara kind of adopted this identity of like our lesbian big sister. Love it. And it's an so honor. <laughs> <what>? <laughs> I said it's an honor. <laughs> <laughs> and so I've been sharing these amazing stories with our team and we've all been going over them. And so that's kind of something I want to under- better understand for the both of you is, you know, what that journey initially was like. And then we'll get into some other things of just like understanding your sexuality and coming out and, you know, what it was like being single in New York as a lesbian or that's where you were. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And, um, and just all of that for people who are curious or wondering or questioning their sexuality. Yeah. Do you, do you want me to go? 
Do you want to go? You are like shooting me these jabs. I'm just trying. You know what it is? Okay, I'm going to be honest. I feel like I sometimes get self-conscious because I feel like when I'm on a podcast, it's like real ass talk. Sometimes I talk too much. Oh my God, no. And so then I'm trying to be cautious (laughs) and conscious of like being too much of a blabbermouth because I get so excited and I'm like, oh, I want to tell this story and I love it. Oh my God. That I feel like I don't want to be that person that's like steamrolling everyone. That's very respectful of you. (laughs) So that's, that's what it is. Very self-aware. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not that I'm like trying to put you on the spot or even be nice. I'm just, it's, it's really narcissism. Um, It's like, (laughs) yeah, really. You're just like jerking yourself. I'm jerking myself (laughs) off. Um, you, uh, can you just repeat the question? Yeah. So what was understanding your sexuality and coming out and being a lesbian in this world and all like, what was that like? And how did you even begin that journey? I came out super early, like 11. And like, I am of the generation that was like right before it was cool to be gay. So it was like, I still had like a healthy dose of like trauma and shame. Um, so I just always knew I like, I just really, I feel like a lot of people have the narrative that was like, I knew I was different. I knew, like, I just, I knew exactly what it was. I knew I wanted to fuck women. Like, it's not that I knew I was different or whatever. Like, I just knew I was attracted to women. Yeah. And I would like go through like my dad's like motorcycle magazines because my dad's like a huge Harley Davidson guy and like <laughs> look for pictures of like tits and stuff. That's there so was Long these, Island. All these like slutty like girls like <laughs> posing with the motorcycles. And then it was kind of around the time that L Word came out when I was 13 and I was like frantically like holding the, the remote in my hands. And then like, you know, the thing where you could push the remote, it would go back to the last channel you right. were on. Yeah. So I would have it set on like Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network or something. And then you would and go then right, back. right back in case like I heard my parents' footsteps. Oh my God, I used to do that shit. <laughs> that was like, like, I felt like I was like having like a bomb to like debomb or whatever right, it right. is. So uh, I, and it's not that it, I think that I always have been like an extremely confident person because I was born missing my left arm. So I think maybe that took some of the pressure off of coming out. Um, Mm. Cause like I was already kind of a freak. So it was like, all right, I'm sure I have one arm dyke. Like, um, and then I came out to my family. who's like very Catholic and Italian. Yeah. Um, when I was older, like 18, actually at the gynecologist to my mother, um, really? I'm sorry. Can we unpack that yeah, a little bit? Can we just take a step back? <laughs> now I'm doing the self-conscious thing. No, I'm no, 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 no. We just need to get over ourselves. Okay. <laughs> well, I, every, I was out to, you know, all my friends and everything, um, but not to my family. And my mom came with me to the gynecologist because I had, um, like an irregular pap smear and I had to get a colposcopy, I think it's called. And then it got like worse where I had like these like supposedly precancerous cells where they had to like scrape it again. Mm -hmm. And my mom came with me because I was scared and I also wanted some of her Valium. So (laughs) I was like, like, like strapped up with my legs open. And for some reason I was just like convinced the gynecologist was just going to be like, it's a lesbian vagina. (laughs) So I would just told my mom like right before they were going to go in with like the scalpel or whatever. I was like, mom, I have sex with women. And she's like, you have bigger problems than that right now. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? It was very unceremonious. Like I'm very, 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 very lucky that, um, you know, I'm sure maybe behind closed doors, I'm sure my family had conversations about me where it was like hard for them to adapt because they are quite conservative. 
Um, but it was never in front of me. And I'm so grateful for that, that I know they probably had to process with like religion and culture and stuff, but it was never at the cost of my comfort or anything like that. And I felt like very, very loved in that sense. Yeah. So yeah. And I like, Oh, I always had a girlfriend. I was always such a little hoe. Like I don't know. (laughs) Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Nothing's they always (laughs) still. (laughs) Yeah. What about you? Little Z? Um, it's actually funny because we were just on a podcast yesterday and I said, uh, I realized I was gay, a lesbian when I was having a threesome with a girl and a guy and the other woman podcasting with us called me out. She's like, I thought you realized you were a lesbian when you saw the movie Gia. And I was like, I think I've had like so many different moments and I've written about so many different ones that I lose track (laughs) of of the the first, (laughs) but I would say the first real conscious, like, shit, I'm gay, before the threesome, after I saw the movie Gia, which, have you seen that movie? Uh-uh. Oh, my God. It's a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece. Yeah. It's with Angelina Jolie, came out in the 90s. It's a made-for-HBO movie, and it's about the life, it's a true story about the life of this supermodel who is named Gia, and she was one of the first women documented in the U.S. to die of HIV. She was an intravenous drug user. She was also a lesbian, but she was so confident. She had all this spirit, and Angelina Jolie played her, and I just remember seeing it with my sister, like, on VHS, Mm -hmm. and being like, oh my god, like clouds breaking open because there's so much sex too. Yeah. And talk about awkward. I was watching it with my sister yeah. and she's like, oh yeah, that's hot. <laughs> I don't think I could do it. Could you do it? And she's like much older and I'm like sixth grade or something. You're and like, I'm like, no, what? No, you know? <laughs> yeah, no. And she's like, yeah, I don't know, but it's fucking hot, right? If I had to do it, it'd be with Angelina. And I'm like, same. Um, but I think that's really when the seed was planted. But I had boyfriends... I remember never feeling like I always felt a little different than my peers as well. I grew up in uh, Westport, Connecticut, which is quite conservative, very preppy. I was always like a little bit alt. And um, a friend of mine said something interesting recently, like who I grew up with. He was like, there was always something different about you, but we didn't know what it was. And now it makes kind of sense. Yeah. Because I think also sexuality, even if you're not aware of it, you kind of move through the world differently because mm-hmm. you're not like, I don't think I ever overperformed for the male gaze. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think yeah. I ever was like, Oh, I want, I won't wear this because while my friends would be like, Oh, I don't want to wear that. Cause boys don't like it. And I'd be like, Oh, fuck it. You know? Yeah. So I think there was always, yeah, I was well, kind of, there was something else in the back of your mind. Right. right? So you were trying to like trick yourself in a way being like, Oh, I'm doing this for a male right. or for the male gaze. But like, I just didn't care. Yeah. And I was like, I, I don't, I didn't get it. I, yeah. I, I like always wanted the compliments from females. Like I always yeah. coveted that yeah. more. And, um, and then before I had the threesome that made me a lesbian, I remember being at a restaurant in Boston with the same sister that I watched Gia with and like my entire family. And I don't remember even why we were there. I think my brother and sister lived there at the same time. And there was this waitress and I'd never seen anything like her. Like she was bleach blonde hair, short, she had piercings and she kept like there was clearly like some relationship she had with the hostess who was so hot and like very feminine, but also tough, had tattoos. And I was just like, I couldn't stop staring at them. I was like, this is so intriguing. And I remember going to the bathroom and one of them being like, you're cute. And I was like, (gasps) like, like I died right there. (laughs) 
And then I went back to my brother, uh, my brother's apartment and was smoking weed with his friends. They gave me a gravity bong rip, which I don't even think that exists anymore. <laughs> it was like something with like water and like, it just gets you so high. I'm like 15 years old. And I'm like, Blake, I think I'm bi. And he was like, and I remember his friend in the background going, I wish my sister was bisexual, which is the perviest <laughs> first so month. Creepy. And I told this at my brother's wedding because he was the best man. He was like, thanks. Um, but that was the first moment. It was very, I was very aware of it. And I didn't think in my heart of hearts that I, I knew I wasn't as attracted to men, but it just felt safer yeah, to at say that, that point, you were bi. To say I was bi. See, that's something I hear from so many of my friends yeah. who yeah. are gay, like specifically men. They right. always take that, or just not them, but like people generally yeah. take that route because it does feel safer. And I think for a lot of people who hold on to this, like, well, maybe they'll change their mind. Right, right. Maybe yeah. they're just going through something. It's right. like a, a not an end all be all. Whereas saying you're gay or saying you're lesbian, like that's kind of like, the ultimate decision. Right, like there's no right. going back. There's no going back. And even, and sometimes people do, and that's totally fine. Yeah, I mean, gender, uh, sexuality is on a spectrum. Like it's not right. black and white. And I, and I definitely believe that, but, um, it's interesting. Cause at the time, I think when I was coming out too, I was like, when I first really came out, I was living here in LA and I was trying to be an actress. And I really thought that like, it was so much back then this is like so pre me too, all that you had to sort of play a game and you had to make yourself like when you had an audition, it's so sick in hindsight and it's not even that long ago. It's almost like directors or agents had to feel like they had a little bit of a shot with you. So if you said you were lesbian, yeah. yes. you were never, and yes. I hear this yes. across the board and I yes. feel like I did play that game for a minute. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then something, then I had like a sexual trauma and I was like, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. coming out. You know, I think sometimes <laughs> when something bad happens yeah. to you, you're, you're so, um, you get to this place where you're so broken that you kind of have a glorious case of the fuck it's. And you're like, the worst thing that happened did. So fuck it. I'm yeah. going to be myself. And then when I came out, then it was like, I would say coming out is like opening up Pandora's box. Then it's like, now you've already done the thing you were afraid to do that you thought was going to ruin your career, alienate you, make your parents scared for your future, which they were. And I survived. I've survived all these things. So I'm just going to completely be myself. Yeah. And yeah. it was so freeing. And that's when I stopped acting and I got more into writing. So yeah, that's I mean, kind I think, of in a nutshell. <laughs> I think you just discover so much about yourself because you're like constantly walking on eggshells. Right. And this is just stories that I've heard from so many people. It's like the second that they come out, they're not so focused on paying attention to every little thing that they say or do yes, or how they absolutely. dress. So they don't appear to be gay. Right? right, right. So it's like the second you actually accept you for who you are you're not focusing on all those like little things and you actually focus on like being you and being like the best version of you that you can right, be. Right, right. Yeah. And I think I see it with like people of all sexual identities is like if there's a secret they're swallowing, like whether it's they don't want to do what they majored in and they're scared they're going to let their parents down. Yeah. And then they finally say, screw it, I'm going to yeah, do it. Yeah, They get that like comfortableness. Yeah. Or if there's a secret, like they've had an eating disorder and they haven't told anyone and the second they come clean. Yeah, it's like it, it just takes right. a weight off of your chest. It's so freeing. Right, right, right. 
So when we, so when I was going over some of the pieces that you had written, there were some terms that you had used. I think (laughs) one of, one of the pieces was about, or this specific piece was about, um, like lesbian sex and also threesomes. Yes. And there were a bunch of terms being used like U-hauling and pillow princess and (laughs) doppelbanger or doppelbanging. And so I found them to be so incredibly hilarious. And I was like, oh, this is just something that Zara made up. It's not because I did my research (laughs) and the real terms. Can you talk about those? They're amazing. It's funny because I feel like gay culture kind of has a secret language. Yes. And it's almost an initiation tool. Because we need like our own dictionary. We, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we do. Actually, I bought my mom for uh, Christmas. It was called the Queen's Dictionary, but it's like <laughs> a Queen's yeah. English. And my mom is actually English, but it's all like LGBT terms. Yeah. She, so, she actually thought that me and my friend Eduardo made up let's have a kiki. And I'm like, oh gosh, like you've been going around <laughs> telling people that. Like that is like, oh, Zora's so clever. Yeah. And I'm like, that actually started in drag culture, like in New York in the eighties. I'm going to get so canceled if you're telling people I made it up. <laughs> like this is horrible. Um, but anyway, I, um, I feel like it's like kind of almost an initiation where you first come out, you go to these parties, people just say like, oh yeah, she's a pillow princess. Zara, what's your type? And you're like, what are these words? But you don't want to sound like an idiot. Yeah. So you just kind of wing it and yeah. make an ass out of yourself. Yeah. There's like a lot of like urban dictionarying. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> so much urban dictionarying. There's and, so like, much to learn. Yeah. Right. There's so much to learn. But I would say my favorite term in like the lesbian sex underworld would probably be off the top of my head. I do like... um Doppelbanging. I'm obsessed with doppelbanging. I like doppelbanging. And sometimes people call it twin fucking. Yeah. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Which means that you are essentially fucking someone who looks exactly like you. And I just find the whole concept funny. So funny. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. A lot of people don't realize they're doppelbanging until it's pointed out to them. And I find that the weirdest part. Because it's like, how do you not realize you're attracted to someone who looks just like you. Right. Yeah. Cause usually like when you tell someone that it's like, you drop the truth bomb on them, on them and then they're like, <laughs> and they like look and they're like, Oh, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I'm like, you, you guys dress the same. You yeah. wear the same clothes. People ask if you're twins, like yeah. have some self-awareness, yeah. but I just think it's, <laughs> you know, you're doppelbanging when they're like, Oh, you and your sister look beautiful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And again, every lesbian couple, you could be like wildly different, like butch and femme. And they're like, do you and your sister want another drink? Like that always happens. <laughs> that yes. always yeah. happens. I don't well, know why. You could be like, ver- yeah. like making out like ferociously and people will still ask if you're sisters. Like if you're sisters. Yeah. Yeah. Or twins. I've had that with with a, an kinky. ex of mine, um, LJ, who you know, who I don't look anything alike. Like nothing. Like sh- she's blonde. She's got like totally different eyes, skin, yeah. body type. And I remember someone was like, are you twins? That's and you're so like, um, I'm like, what? People just have these crazy fucked up fantasies in their mind and they just like yeah. really want them to go into fruition and they're like, are right, you twins? Like, yeah, it's always no. like a sexual, like it's never a woman really who <laughs> yes, asks that. It's yeah. always like a bro. Yeah. 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 I'm like, you got to get off Pornhub because <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> you need to find a new category of interest. Right. <laughs> what do you think your favorite is? Mm, U-Haul's not my favorite. But it's just like the mo- the one I that, love that one. <laughs> it's just the one that you think doesn't apply to you until it does. Like I feel like a lot of like new lesbians are it. really okay. So U haul is like when you move in with your girlfriend like right away, like after two dates. But I think a lot of like baby dykes when they first hear the term, 
are quite smug about it. And they're like, I won't do that. Oh, and yeah. everybody does it. It's so Like weird. you have at least one, at least one U-Haul experience in your lesbian dating life. And I just love that. Like you're just, it's like literally like till it happens to you. Right. Like, <laughs> you're so judgmental. You're like, yeah. oh, everyone warns like, how you. The fu- like, I'm like, are you nuts? Like, how yeah. the hell could you do that? And right. the next thing you know, you're like packing up the boxes. Right. <laughs> and then the next thing you know, like three months have gone you're by. You're And you're like, I hate this person. Yeah. I didn't even know this person. I was just yeah. high off like the orgasm oxytocin chemicals mm-hmm. and I was being irrational. And you're like, oh my God, yeah. I U-hauled. Yeah. Like it's happened to me three <laughs> times and I never knew it. Yeah. In it. Yeah. And just then once you got out. <laughs> and then you have to break a lease, which in I know. New York is like. <laughs> I'm a lease breaking expert and so are you. I know. Well, we've had to do it so many times. <laughs> I also really like the word trimming, and I know a lot of people are grossed out by it. That one I, I haven't heard. It's like scissoring, but like also like on different, like it's like just like clit to anything. Okay. So if you're like rubbing your clit on someone's knee or like anything, okay. it's like tripping. See, I thought tripping was just like the technical like word for scissoring. For scissoring. I thought so too, but upon a deeper dive, oh. it's just like, cause like if you look up tripping on like Pornhub, There'll be like girls just like riding like another girl's like knee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's hot. Interesting. Yeah. And at first I was like, ew. And then I was like, ew. <laughs> <laughs> when ew turns to yeah. ew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What is, what is that saying? Don't, uh, something until you try it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. What don't, is that? Don't, don't, don't knock, knock until you try, try it. it. There you go. <laughs> it's so true, though, in so many capacities. So one thing I found really interesting was the top and bottom because. Oh, yeah. That was only a term I ever heard, like in in gay sex, right. like guy to guy, yeah. and I didn't realize that was a thing for lesbians as well. Yeah, yeah. I didn't either in the beginning because I knew the gay guy thing. I remember right. my again my it always comes back to the same sister, but I remember Maybe your sister made you a lesbian. I really actually, <laughs> if we're gonna be real about it, there was like one common denominator. <laughs> but I remember hanging out with like her gay guy friends when I was like fourteen, and then being like, oh, I wouldn't fuck so-and-so. He's a bottom. He's a tubzar. Do you know what that is? And I was like, no. And I always thought it was a gay guy thing. And then I heard it in the lesbian underworld. Yeah. And I was like, but it's very common knowledge for like straight people in pop culture, the top and bottom thing with gay men. It's like yeah. very, very common yeah. knowledge. Yeah. And it's weird that it's not with lesbians because it's, it's, I mean, I guess it's a different concept because it's not as like cut and dry with like a dick in a butthole. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. So like it's not as obvious. Yeah. But yeah, and I guess but, there's like a stigma between being like a top and a bottom. It's usually like the more masculine guy yeah. is like the top and then right. the more femme one yeah, is the bottom. Yeah. But it's not always like that. Right. It's not always like that. No, it's not yeah. at all. Sometimes I am shocked. And I'm like, because my friend group is so open about sexuality, right. my two best friends in the world are both gay. And so they've turned me almost into a monster. Now I think it's normal to go up to someone and be like, hey, you a top or a bottom? I <laughs> like, mean, it's not. And I need to stop doing I that. Mean, in our world. In our is. world, it's totally good. You can always you know. anything. I mean, we'll go to bars and like try and guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Same thing, but I have no right to do that. I mean, like, neither do I have we. No jurisdiction. <laughs> neither do we. And it often shocks me because I think in the lesbian world, people the queer world in general, people always assume that the more masculine presenting one Mm. is going to be a top. Yeah. And that like the very feminine one is going to be a bottom. But I know a lot of very masculine presenting people that are. And it's such a disappointment. I mean, for me personally, it's a disappointment. (laughs) Well, people think there's like a top shortage. I mean, I don't think that's a little dramatic. Um, I just think that's like a really boring think piece. I mean, I hear it with gay guys the most. 
Really? Yeah, but maybe that's just in Hell's Kitchen because it's a very bottomy culture. <laughs> <laughs> I interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and then a lot of people are just like, I'm neither, and switch it up. I mean, yeah. How do you identify? I mean, I'm definitely I'm a I'm a, I, I'm a switch, but like an actual switch, but of course, like prefer to be a bottom. But I don't mean bottom, like only receiving. I just prefer to be a bottom in the fact that I want to be called a dirty slut and call the girl right. daddy, you know? Right, yeah. same, same, same. So what, you're definitely tried and true switch. I'm a tried and true <laughs> switch, but I would say it varies on relationships. Yeah. I've like taken on one role more than the other, but I, I'm more comfortable as a bottom, but I, I feel like when you say bottom – People think that that means you're on the bottom, and I find myself more on top, yeah. but I'm not, I yeah. guess, the strap-on wearer, Yeah, if we're going to get technical about it. Yeah. Like, you could still be on, like, just like women having sex with men. Yeah, for I'm sure. sure. Some be on top, top but yeah. still Some, be, like, yeah. penetrated. Yeah, totally. Or sometimes you just want to be a pillow princess right. as a, in a heterosexual relationship. Yeah, And then totally. other times you want to, like, cowgirl all night long. Like, right. it's just... Yeah. You right. never know what you're feeling. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sure exactly. you can apply top and bottom to straight relationships For if you really sure. wanted to like intellectualize or like right. categorize it because it's more of like an energy thing if we're not talking about like, you know, phallic thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. Which sex is so much more because right. some lesbians yeah. don't even use or queer women don't even use like strap-ons or anything. Yeah. yeah. So it's like if if we're – it's a narrow way to look at sex. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, and I think it it just goes back to this very antiquated idea of like what sex is. Right. right? Like people don't necessarily deem – oral sex as like losing your virginity or even having right. sex until like something is actually penetrated. They're like, okay, I've had sex. Right. But it's like, who came up with those rules? <laughs> I mean, I knew some people that thought like if you used a tampon, yeah, you weren't a virgin. Like, well, well, how, how? <laughs> I know. Yeah, but no, but it, I guess, it comes, like, yeah. it, it's so sad that right. this is a reality for so yeah, many people yeah. and that so many people are just so poorly educated. And they also just don't, maybe they don't have the resources to like actually take a deeper dive into like understanding it or they don't want to i don't know what the reasoning is right because i was there at like fucking 10 years old being like penis (laughs) what does it look like (laughs) i I was that way too and i remember i had this one friend who got sent away i mean i had a couple friends who got sent away to these it was very big in my generation those paris hilton did you see that documentary where she goes yeah when they like come and take you in the middle of the night and they put it back over your head 10 of my friends probably at least it was like huge when I was growing yeah. up. And um, one of my friends got sent to that one. I think it was that one. There are oh, so many in Utah. Yeah. And she told me that while she was there, they had such this like Mormon policy about sex that they got random panty checks to see if they were wearing a tampon. <gasps> Because that was considered like having sex. It made me so sick, but it also opened my eyes up. Oh to, my god! Right, like I had a mom like that was so open and. Isn't it more sexually violating to check if someone's uh-huh. wearing, a tampon than than wearing a tampon? And were it like women that were looking or men? I think or? it was both, and I think, I mean, that's the irony of it all. Is a lot of those cultures that are so. I mean, I'm sorry, that was a really dark place to take no, no, it. No, no, it's, it's, but it's I just, just remember really being like, perspective. I was yeah. like, holy fuck, and like those people are sexually traumatizing that person so much more than it fucking wearing a tampon ever would seriously and it's like which is it within itself is also a very traumatizing thing to go through putting in a tampon it is let me just point that out yeah it was so i remember (laughs) struggling no i remember the first time putting a tampon it i don't know why it was because now it's like i don't even know why it was so hard but like the first time you're like where's the hole 
yeah it's so difficult and they're like teaching you in school and it's some bullshit explanation like i remember my friend literally had to take it out for me because it got stuck <laughs> and my mom was like i am not going near anywhere near that situation i'm like this is your job right so That's my friend's friend. like oh, i think the strings are over here i'm like i'm closing my eyes i'm like just pull it out, just pull it, out. <laughs> it was in there for maybe two minutes which is probably why i got stuck because nothing right. was absorbed <laughs> right 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 but it's just like it's so crazy like when we reflect on all these different experiences like how traumatizing in a way that I they know. can be i know but so what I'm really curious about is, I mean, I know now there's so much more content that's readily available in terms of like, you know, being gay and getting out into that world and kind of like understanding mm. how to even begin that process. But like, what was it like for the both of you? Like when you were both single, exploring and understanding your sexuality, like after coming out and like, how did you learn all these things? Was it just from other people? I mean, I feel like, it was a mix for me of going to parties in LA, being the youngest person there, keeping my mouth shut <laughs> and just listening and putting the pieces together and like Googling things I'd heard yeah. and faking it till I made it. And when I was in high school, I was, I mean, this makes me seem so old, but <laughs> Live Journal was the thing, yeah. which was um, a social media platform in the early aughts where you would write like journal entries. Mm -hmm. And everyone would follow each other's live journal. It was like right around the same time as MySpace. And I would like join live journal groups of like other teen lesbians. <laughs> and like we would even like, I remember once meeting up with them, like so in, in the city, like taking the train and like meeting up in, um, God, we met up on like St. Mark's place and like thought we were so cool. <laughs> so it was also still the internet was yeah. always, I feel like the internet's always been a very flawed teacher but a consistent teacher, mm. you know, in the yeah. underworld. Yeah. What about you? The internet, but like it was so limited at the right. time. So like I would, I knew like this, like one girl in high school was a lesbian. So I had to go on her MySpace and see like this one page that she had liked that was like New York lesbians or something. Oh and my then God, I'd, I think I'm still part of and that. And then I'd like sleuth like and find <laughs> right. like all these other pages through that. And I was obsessed with like AOL chat rooms. Yeah. And you know, you really had to like dig. You did. Um, uh, Pornhub wasn't even a thing. It was like Pink World at the time, and you had to like download things into QuickTime players and like do all this dark. And your computer shit. would crash because it would have too much, yeah. and then it, you'd have to like rent. It would like render. Yeah. <laughs> so like that's part of the reason, like why I think like a lot of us take for granted because like we've been through like so much of that, and now like as an adult, like I'm so I'm not jaded, but like I've had so many sexual experiences. I work for a media company, but like then I see like generations coming up. Like, even, like, someone, like, my, like, little cousin who's, like, really close with Zara and I and, like, always is asking us, like, sexual questions and stuff and, like, something, like, please me that – and I'm not, like, just giving you a compliment for the fuck of it. Like, it's, like – sometimes, like, I forget. It's, like, cognitive dissonance where I don't even realize how valuable something like that is for everybody because – you don't have to waste time totally. clicking on a million different MySpace pages. And it's like, because in school, I, I, I don't know how progressive sexual education is in school right now, but like, I didn't even learn about tampons in school yeah. when I was in school. So it's like, when you put like, you know, things like that are like actually like life-saving, yeah, life-saving. Yeah. They, they really are. And I think about that a lot because my little live journal 
back in the day was like a lifeline when I was so depressed and felt alienated. And it is like websites, like you're starting that it can be the difference between life or death for someone because especially like yeah. your location, if you're not in like a metropolis, where live other, here. Yeah, like, or where being gay is severely frowned upon or even illegal. In some right. Places. Yeah. Like, right. I mean, like, even if you just think politically, like things that are happening right, right. now, of, right. It, it I always like to remind people, like, the world is not L.A. and New York. America is yes. not L.A. or New yeah. York, you know? And being constantly in those hubs, it's so easy for us to forget because right. we're just like, like, why wouldn't they come out or why right. wouldn't they be okay? Like, no one gives a fuck. Right. No. But it's like we need to look beyond our lens and our scope just because we're okay with it. Obviously, right. not everybody is. And that's obviously a problem within itself. Right, right. But – I, I don't think, I mean, I'm so curious to kind of hear and understand what sexual education like is like now, because even when I was in high school, which wasn't that long ago, but that was still like six years ago, it had so much room to grow. And that was still in like a time where like we could talk about this shit. Right. It's just like they were choosing not to, or they were getting really, really close to talking about it and then they'd pull away. It was right. Like, right. It was too close. It's mm -hmm. like, okay, well, these are your options if you get pregnant, but like if you are pregnant, don't you dare come to us and talk to us right. about it. Yeah. <laughs> or if you have an STD, these are your options, but don't talk to us about it. Like, I think it's always a push pull. I used to work for Planned Parenthood and I spent my last two years of high school in Florida, which is much more conservative than believe it or not, Connecticut. Um, and I, there, but in that moment, I remember when I was in high school and I worked also like in the Planned Parenthood's theater group, it was a little bit more open. I mean, it wasn't like liberal by any means, but then it took a giant step backwards. And then when I worked for Planned Parenthood and ran that same program, all of a sudden we were like kicked out of the public schools. So yeah. I feel like it's a constant fight where we'll have a leap forward and then all of a sudden a huge wave comes and is like, no, this is promoting sex, this is promoting teen pregnancy and then we fall backwards. But it's like, like no, it's not. And I if know. you actually take a second to like understand and listen and investigate further, like you would just realize that it's not. Right. And people, they hear sex, they hear pregnancy, abortion, whatever, and they're just automatically like, no. Right. But it's like, there's just so much more to that. It makes me so upset. <laughs> right. And the people getting pregnant are the people who aren't told how to be protected. Of course. Yeah. yeah and they don't realize that there's options yeah. out there. Yeah. Right. right. No, it really is like an actual tragedy, but. It really, it really yeah. is. Yeah. But kind of going back to um, that point that you just mentioned about like, please me and like other platforms like that. I mean, I think that was like my number one thing that inspired me because I was feeling alienated with my own sexual dysfunctions. And I just realized that there like was not a place to go to. And if there was, it was like eight different tabs and like mm -hmm. it was very clinical or like anatomical. And I just wanted something that was more like testimonial and honest and authentic. And you know, I was like, there's so many different elements to sex. And like right now we can really only focus on like female bodied individuals, right. but there's still within that so much to talk about. So much to talk about. And like, you know, I want to be a voice for people who are questioning their sexuality or someone who wants to have a threesome or right. like, you know, someone who can't get wet and then they Google and they tell them they're going through menopause at like 15, <laughs> which is what happened to me. Oh I cannot way. wait to, when we by we're doing way. a swap and we're so, we were yeah. talking about it in the Uber, we're so excited to like really get into the nuance <laughs> of all that. But that is so interesting that they say, cause I, I've had that like 
Google too, where they're like, you're in like perimenopause or whatever. So that happened to you? Yep. I literally, I remember I was with my boyfriend at the time and we'd been dating since I was like 17 and I'd gone on meds like maybe a year before we were dating. And so I'd, I'd, I'd lost my virginity a few years beforehand, but I didn't like really know how to have sex or like what sex was or what good sex was. And so as I like understood a little bit more, I was like, okay, I'm super attracted to this person. Like, I'm really excited by them. Like, why is nothing going on down there? Right. It's literally as dry as the fucking desert. <laughs> right. And so I'm like doing all this research because I like don't want to hurt his feelings and I don't, you know, want to like talk to anyone about it. And the things that I read online were so scary. I was I like, I'm done. I'm asexual. I'm never going to be sexy. Again. Right. I'm out. Yeah. Like, I can't do this. They just make you shut down. Yes. It's so crazy. Yeah. And then sex becomes this job almost. And it's mm-hmm. like trying to perform for somebody else's needs and then me not feeling comfortable and good about it. It was just like this bad cycle. And so thankfully, like my gynecologist was a, a good friend of mine. Oh, <laughs> like good. we became good. really close. That's yeah. so good. And, you know, his mom was like a really great resource for me and all these people that like really helped make it a better journey. But I was like, I don't want anyone to go through this, whether they're, you know, experiencing this or they're questioning their sexuality or they're wanting to have a threesome when they don't know how. Like right, right. there's so much to it. And it doesn't always need to be like so serious also. It's so serious also, but I think it just, you're making me think of something that I think is so interesting in the culture is that like we glorify wetness as like this, like people are so smug, like, oh, I don't need lube or like I yes, made her that so makes me wet. so mad. And it's like, you could be fully turned on and be extremely dry or you could be not turned on at all. Sometimes I just randomly get wet and it means nothing. I'm, yeah, I'm the smug asshole that's always wet. <laughs> but like I sometimes I am just like soaking wet. Like I'm not even that turned on. Right. Yeah. So like I can get wet about like dark things sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Or I could be wet like making out with someone I'm not even that attracted to. I could to. get like embarrassed yeah. and all of a sudden I'm I'm wet. That's like wrapped up in like shame. <laughs> Probably. Like, but that's what I'm tank. saying. It's but not. Yeah, no, but it's like what is that? There's so – yeah, there's like – and it's true if you fair. look it up. And then it makes you feel like shit. Right? Yeah. Like, they act yeah. like you're like in menopause or old or not turned on. And it's like there's so many other like signs of being turned on. It's – yeah, it's so ridiculous. It's and it so- just, again, goes to how fucking stupid and educated some people are. Right. <laughs> and also just a lack of like shit out there. Like my boyfriend now is one of the first people who – is like so excited about lube and it's the cutest thing ever. Like I could be super wet and he's like, okay, hold on, hold on. Let me like grab it out of the drawer. Right. Oh, and I'm like, so that sweet. is so nice. That's and then so like sweet. I have another friend and I'm, we're like making lubes for please me and we're testing out a bunch and I'm like, you should really try this. And they're like, no, we don't use lube. Like I don't need it. I'm super turned on by him. And I'm like, that's Doesn't not mean you're the not turned point. on. Yeah. yeah. Right. Is again, it's like there's this stigma and taboo. And like, I don't want to call out that person, but like, right. yeah. it's so frustrating to me because like, we need to change this. Like, we need to flip this switch in our head that like, all these things are like assistance, like they're aids, you know, they're right. not replacements. Right. They're not, you know, to, to fix something that's like not working or not there. It's just like sometimes you need help. Right. And it's also, I feel like it comes down to protecting like the fragile ego of the person you're having sex with where it's like, oh, she doesn't need lube yeah. because I'm so good. My dick is so what? amazing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it turns and oh yeah, no, we don't do And you know, it's like, I don't need it because I'm so like turned on and it turns into this ego thing. Yeah. And it's like, you can also just use lube to enhance the experience because yeah. I think a good lube, even if you're 
wet as fuck, it can also have like a tingle or a warming or something. Yeah, like, there's just so make many it different better. properties. Totally. Right. For sure. And I think that also ste- like it rings true for vibrators too. Oh, yeah. Like... 70% of women are unable to have an orgasm through penetration. That is just a fact. Right, that is, that yeah. is just the way that our bodies are designed. So you need assistance. Right. And I was like having a conversation recently and this person really put into my mind that like it's not a replacement, it's an enhancement. Right. Which is just so important. Right. And also like clitoral stimulation is fucking amazing. So why wouldn't you want to make the sex as yeah. amazing as possible? Yeah. And even if you can have an orgasm from penetration, which again, you're so right, most people cannot, like why not even make it a better experience so you can have both? Porque no los dos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so fascinating. It's crazy. So before we wrap up, I want to ask both of you, what is either like a piece of advice or something that you wish you had known starting this journey and just like understanding yourself. Oh, that's such a good one. <laughs> you know what I think the first that comes to mind for me, and I know this is so, this could, could be very cliche, but it's the absolute truth. I did not know. And even if I thought I knew it, I didn't viscerally understand it until my mid twenties that like sex wasn't a performance. Like mm-hmm. I always felt like I could never, and I faked so many orgasms. It's shameful. I still sometimes fake them. Yeah. You're like, we should all have an award. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Because I felt like I had to protect the egos of my partners, um, whether it was men or women, because I've slept with lots of men too. But also with women, I think I carried that on where I'm like, this isn't for me. This is like a performance for them. And I want them to come and them to feel good. And when you're that self-conscious, you can't ever relax and even absorb pleasure. So even if they were doing something that felt good, I couldn't feel it because I'd be acting and like, oh, you know, like trying to make this whole like sex scene for them. And I just, it didn't occur to me that it was also for me Yeah, until way too late. And I don't know, it was one relationship where I think the, the woman really saw that and saw through me and helped me break through that. Yeah. I was going to ask, like, yeah. how, how did you break through that? I dated someone. She was a good bit older. It actually was a very toxic relationship. But the sex <laughs> was very healthy, which my therapist was like, that's interesting that the uh, healthiest sex you ever had is with someone who's wildly abusive to you. I was like, okay, <laughs> put a pin in that. Um, we'll save that for a couple of years down the line. But she saw that she was like, I can just tell that you're not in your body. Yeah. And she would like, as we were having sex, be like, you can relax. Like I'm here. I want to make you feel good. And I just little by little, she sort of chipped away. And I remember it feeling so vulnerable and scary because I think that the performance aspect was also self-protection because I've had sexual trauma at a young age. So in hindsight, we both kind of realized together that it was much easier than being, it's, it's vulnerable to relax into something and let someone make you come. But she made it so safe that I was able to work through it, but I still catch myself doing it. And I think that's important to say that like, I think mental health, sexual health, it isn't linear and you might be doing really well for a while and then have a giant step backwards and that's okay. Like it's not a linear journey. It's going to have ups and downs. Um, I think like coming out, you think that everyone's cooler than you. And like when I, I mean, I came out really young, but I only had, like, girlfriends that I, like, knew in school or whatever. But when I finally, like, got my own apartment and started dating in the, in 
in New in uh, Brooklyn and Manhattan, like. Oh, was, I remember those days. You're a little baby <laughs> yeah, day. I'm a little baby. <laughs> but, and I just felt, felt like everyone was just like inherently way fucking cooler than me. And one day, like my mask was going to get ripped off and they're going to be like, you're just like some fucking loser from Long Island. And <laughs> like, I just, I think that like my advice to anyone's like either questioning their sexuality or not, maybe just a little nervous about dating is that like everyone is like basically just as lame as you <laughs> totally. and or thinks you're like the coolest person ever. Like no one really goes on a date with someone they don't think is cool. That's so true. So like, why are you so desperate to like impress this person or prove that you're good enough? Like they're meet, they're just on the same level as you. Like if someone's on a date with you and spending time with you and trying to get in your pants, like clearly they're interested in you. So like once you strip that layer away, I think you become way more sexy because I used to be always like rattled with nerves. Like I had to have like a bottle of wine before a date. And like, then I started thinking like, well, this person wants to date me just as much as I want to date them. So like, I don't need to be that nervous. Right. It's like a job interview when you're so nervous and you're like, oh my God, I want the job. I want the job. And then someone explains to you, like, do you actually want the job? And you're like, ah, and it's like with dating, it's like, you want to impress you want to, and it's like, do you actually want to date this person either? And it's like, oh, and then it sort of evens the playing field. It's so So weird. Yeah. And I think a lot of it, and like you've mentioned this before, has to just do with ego. I think ego is like the epicenter of everything. (laughs) Definitely. Right. Whether it's in like a professional setting or a romantic setting or whatever, like we just need to be better about removing this ego and just being like, listen, what's going to happen is going to happen. And, you know, they're choosing to be with me. I'm choosing to be with them. Or, you know, if this job interview doesn't work out, maybe it was not meant to work out. Right, right. If my partner can't get wet, maybe it has nothing to do with me and something, (laughs) the meds they're on or, you know, just the way their body is like, you know, totally so interesting. It's so interesting. Well, this was so amazing. Thank you so much for having us. You're so smart, by the way. I'm sorry. That sounds like so lame, but I feel like like, I'm like, I mean, I knew you were smart. You're so smart. Like I I knew you (laughs) were smart, but like I was like so blown away (laughs) by just the way you connect things. Your brain is so fascinating. Yeah. Your brain is like really beautiful. I know that sounds Yeah. You have a beautiful brain. That's so nice. Hey baby, you have a beautiful brain. I know. You sound so creepy. Not at all. No, it's honestly so nice to hear because I think again, like everyone just looks at people and they're like, oh, you're blonde and you know, this, that or whatever, or, like you're stupid or whatever. People always think we're idiots. Like, it's <laughs> like literally always. And right? you both are so smart and so well-spoken. Like fuck everyone. I know. Fuck yeah. everyone. Like, fuck Kill your ego and fuck everyone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cherry Chats is a production of Please Me. This episode was produced by Mackenzie Mizell. To find more resources about sexual wellness and pleasure, visit our website, please-me.com. Designed and built by our amazing CTO, Desi Gabrielle. You can follow us on Instagram at thinkpleaseme. If you have any questions about today's episode, email contact at please-me.com. Spread the word and stay tuned for more episodes.